subject. And it, it, it really becomes even more important. Uh, all of these things that we teach about, talk about, become even more important as we uh, realize that one generation is passing away. And it becomes absolutely incumbent upon those that are alive and remain to be faithful unto the end. Whether the Lord calls us home in the sounding of the trumpet or whether he calls us home individually, however that may be, we all know we've got to be ready every day to meet the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. We've got to be ready every day to meet the Lord. Live every day like it's your last day on earth and that you'll be called upon to meet the Lord at any moment. So I want to be talking to you tonight on the subject personal convictions and spiritual boundaries. Personal convictions and spiritual boundaries. And, and I, I want to concentrate on this again because of the import of the subject. Uh, it is incumbent upon us to be sensitive to the voice of the Lord in our lives. God wants to save you. And I'm going to tell you something. You might have repented of your sins. Thank the Lord for that. You might be baptized in Jesus' name. Thank the Lord for that. You might be filled with the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking in other tongues. Thank the Lord for that. You might be living an overcoming life. Thank the Lord for that. But we have opportunity even yet to turn our backs on the Lord. And we aren't there until we're there. We're not saved until we've endured unto the end. The same shall be saved. So take the more earnest heed to the things you have heard, lest at any time you should let them slip. We don't need to let anything slip. Hallelujah. No slippage. We've got to stand firm and hold fast the profession of our faith. Amen. In the great teaching of the Apostle Paul to the church at Corinth, he describes the resurrection and said, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. At the last trump or the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And don't forget the last verse of, of, of 1 Corinthians 15. Therefore, because of these things, my beloved brethren, be ye. Everybody say, ye, ye. is me. Be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye, that's me and you, as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So we've got to continue to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. That's why I want to talk to you tonight about personal convictions and spiritual boundaries. It's very interesting uh, that on the same week, that Sister Wolfangle passed on to be with the Lord. She is so symbolic of so much pertaining uh, to this great congregation. But in that same week, we received our final approval from the Montgomery Planning Commission. Can we give God praise for that? 
Hallelujah. Oh, my goodness. As you know, this has been quite a process. We'll be talking more about it on September 29th. Everybody say September 29th. Mark it down, mark it down. It's going to be a great Sunday where we're going to be providing you information as to everything that's been going on in the Ready Now campaign, where we currently are, and where we are headed. Next steps. You're going to have a clear path of understanding as to where we're going and what's going to be happening next because we're going to build a temple for the glory of the Lord. Amen. Amen. We're going to build a temple for the glory of the Lord. And we are um, anxious about it and excited about it. This week was so important uh, to be able to have this behind us. And we give God all the praise and the glory. I thank all of you for your support. I thank all of you for your prayers. I thank all of our leaders and our uh, team members, uh, Champlin Architecture, Sister Melanie Lobsinger, and, and Brother Kyle uh, Campbell, and, and Jeff Schroeder, and Pastor David Myers, and, and, and so many that have just stepped in and, and, and helped us forge ahead and, and achieve this great permit approval uh, for the final uh, design. And the interesting thing is, is that in a week where, where we where we grieve the loss on this earth of, of a uh, precious child of God who has been with us and, and creating uh, such a strong foundation, her and so many like her, for so many years. And in that same week's time, we receive a green light to move forward into our future. I'm telling you, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. We're anchored to our past, and we're moving into our future, and to God be the glory for these wonderful things. Listen, this isn't time to get wishy-washy. This is time to be faithful. This isn't time to get, to get uh, weak need. This is time to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And so we're talking tonight about personal convictions and spiritual boundaries. Uh, I, I, I want to talk about both of them. It's so important that you understand the need in the life of the child of God to be sensitive to what the Lord would be saying to you as to how you need to live your life. There are some things that are absolute in the word of the Lord, and it is so absolute that, that you cannot, absolutely cannot get away from it. It's not a gray area. There's no... There's no question as to what the word of the Lord means. Ladies and gentlemen, you must repent of your sins. You must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. You must be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And when you are, you will speak with other tongues as the Spirit of the Lord gives the utterance unto you. And you must come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. That's not Joel Urshan saying that. That's saith the Lord. That, those three words are three big words. Saith the Lord. That's the highest authority come out from among them you can't have one foot in the church and one foot in the world you can't be hedging your bets by 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 holding on to an old lifestyle or an old way of thinking or an old way of acting or an old way of dressing you've got to come into the church and be a light to the world he called you out of darkness and placed you into his marvelous light 
for reason that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. So it's important that you recognize uh, that, that there are some absolutes. He, he empowered us to be witnesses. We are witnesses unto him. We are to tell people about Jesus Christ. That's an absolute. We're, it's not, well, they're, they're, they've got a good witness. Do you have a good witness? Do you have a testimony? Has he brought you out? Open up your mouth and let somebody know about it. Let it be seen in your life. Let them see the glory of the Lord in your life. So these are, these are things that absolutely uh, we, we hold on to and we stand firm on them. And then there is this, this matter of fact that, that the Bible doesn't address everything that you're going to face in life. It does, it does in principle, and it does in spirit. That's why you have to be sensitive to the voice of the Spirit of God. Because there are some things that you are, are going to look at in the Word of the Lord, and it's going to be so clearly defined for you, you won't be able to, to move or budge. And then there are going to be other things that, that the Word of the Lord describes in principle and in spirit. And in 2019, you're going to have to be sensitive to understand that's what the Lord was talking about. The Bible doesn't say anything about your iPhone. But it does say not to set any wicked thing before your eyes. The Bible doesn't say anything about high-speed internet access. But it does describe not to look upon a woman and lust after her. Because if you do, you've committed adultery already in your heart. So you've got to be able to understand what the word of the Lord is addressing in principle and in spirit and being able to apply it to anything and everything that you face in this life. So that's what I want to talk to you about tonight. Personal convictions and spiritual boundaries. Personal convictions are things that God comes to you and deals with you on in an individual manner. He comes directly to you and begins to minister to you and say, stop. Don't do that. And you might not have a scripture to back up exactly why you don't do this or that. Or you might. I, I actually believe that there's scripture for everything that, that we, if we, if we study to show ourselves approved unto God, workmen that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, that the, the word of the Lord backs up everything that the spirit begins to speak to us about. But a personal conviction is something that can resonate inside of you that, that you may or may not be able to say, well, it's because in the book of Acts or it's because in the book of Philippians. You may not be able to point to it, but you've got the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost is inside of you saying, don't go there. Don't say that. Don't be with them. Don't wear that. Don't act like that. Don't treat them that way. And you don't have to have somebody always before you with an open chart trying to explain to you. You simply are led by the Holy Ghost to understand these things. We can look at the body of Christ and see the believers and, and recognize their example as being one that is, that is leading and paving a way a path for upon us uh, for us to walk upon. I want to turn your attention to the book of John chapter 14. The book of John chapter 14 and verse 26 says but the comforter everybody say the comforter which is the holy ghost everybody say the holy ghost whom the father will send in my name he shall teach you all things 
and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. There have been times, even in preaching the word of God, where I have, I have had brought to my remembrance something the Lord said in his word that I don't remember knowing he had said it. And, and I will, it will come out as an unction of the Holy Ghost. Under the anointing of God, it'll come out. And I will recognize it when it comes out and realize that was true, but I didn't know it was true. And I'll go find it in the Word of God and find that the Lord was bringing to my remembrance the things He has said. And so you may not always be able to to uh, pinpoint why you are feeling what I call a check in the spirit. You know what I mean by a check in the spirit? When the Holy Ghost checks you and says, you are on dangerous territory with this. You're kind of dealing, you're, you're, you're treading on dangerous ground right now. You can feel it when you're in a conversation with somebody and the conversation veers off into defaming somebody else. And, and, and you feel that, that kind of that feeling of, oh, I don't think I need to be in this conversation. I don't think this is the kind of conversation I want to be a part of or talk about because the Bible speaks so much. Listen, you may not be able to pinpoint right then and there what book, what chapter, what verse is making you feel that way. But, but you just are feeling the Holy Ghost say, you need to exit this or shut it down or rebuke them or something. You need to, this needs to stop. And, 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 and what that is, that's the Holy Ghost convicting you. It's the Holy Ghost establishing a boundary in your life and, and helping you to understand what that boundary is. And, and then you go back to the word of the Lord and you look to the word of the Lord. And when you see the word of the Lord, the word of the Lord deals a lot with the subject of tail bearers. And you realize, man, I'm glad I didn't start bearing tails in that conversation because the Bible deals with the fact that people get to talking and they talk too much. And they talk about people. And I'm going to tell you something. God's going to hold us accountable for what we say about other people. You say, well, I would never say that to their face. Never in a million years. Why, I wouldn't be that rude to say something that awful to their face. I'll just let that sit for a little while. We don't need to, you know, you, you know what you need to do with your, with your mouth? You need to let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Not gossip, not the latest juicy news about somebody doing something. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. And it's the, the word of the Lord is full of references like this that, that begin to, I'll say, convict you. That's a pretty strong word, conviction, convict. It's a legal term. It has to do with sentencing. It has to do with, with uh, uh, establishing a sentence whereby something is punished and rehabilitated, dealt with on a legal basis. And, and that is what a conviction is. It is the... It is the enlightenment of guilt. It is the exposing of guilt. And when God convicts you of something, he is shedding light on an area in your life where there is guilt. People have said before, uh, I feel guilty about this or that. 
as if it's just a passing feeling. Guilt is not a feeling. Guilt is a state of being. You are either guilty or you're not guilty. If you are guilty, repent. There is such a thing as false guilt. The devil will try to put false guilt on you. And in the case of false guilt, when you're not guilty, rejoice. But when you are guilty and God comes into the circumstances and says, there's guilt there, you're talking too much. There's guilt there, you don't need to go out dressed like that. There's guilt there, you don't need to be in a position of, 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 of uh, having a bad attitude like that. There's guilt there, you don't need to be believing this false doctrine. There's guilt there, you don't need to be running with that crowd. What's happening? The word of the Lord is convicting you. He is convi he's convicting you. He is sentencing the sin in your life. He's, he's catching the sin, and he is pronouncing his judgment upon it. And that is your cue to back up. Amen. That's your cue to ask for forgiveness. That's your cue to, to wipe the smirk off your face. That's your cue to, to, to clean up the attitude. That's your cue to go back in and change. That's your cue to run with a different crowd. You hear what I'm telling you? Don't ignore when God comes to you personally and convicts you. Hallelujah. Now, there are times where uh, this happens even on a church-wide level, where there is a need for something to be addressed, and everybody asked to do something that is a matter of consecration. And that is a time where we all do it and we do it as unto the Lord in unity. There are other times where God doesn't ask it of everybody else, but he does ask it of you. And that is what we would call a personal conviction. And God is establishing a personal conviction in your life and developing a spiritual boundary in your life so as to protect you. Now, we're looking at 1 Kings chapter 13. I want to take you there. And I want, to, I want to give you a biblical example of God dealing with an individual about a thing that he wants that individual to do and not do. And why God does that. Because there are some times God asks things of us, or better yet, commands things of us, that we may not understand why he's doing it. And we might think, well, I don't know why I have to do that when so-and-so apparently doesn't think they have to do that. And, and, and be careful because the devil is a sly old fox. Be careful because the devil is subtle and he likes to remember this whole thing started with the most subtle beast in the field. And so the devil likes to come into your life and begin to, and begin to distort your attitude about what God said. Remember the first thing he said to Eve. Hath God said that you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. He appeals to her legalistic side. Let's parse God's words. Let's find us a loophole here. Hath God said, did he say it like that? Did he really emphasize it that way? Is it really all that important? And it got all of us into a world of hurts, literally a world of hurts. First Kings chapter 13, the king said unto the man of God, come home with me. Refresh thyself, and I will give thee a reward. The man of God said unto the king, If thou wilt give me half thine house, I will not go in with thee. Neither will I eat bread nor drink water in this place. For so was it charged me by the word of the Lord, saying, Eat no bread nor drink water, 
nor turn again by the same way that thou camest. So he went another way and returned not by the way that he came to Bethel. That's the middle of the story. I'm going to give you a little background, and then I'm going to give you how that story concludes. This is the story of a young man of God who came out of Judah, and he came to Bethel. Now, in Bethel, which was pretty close to Jerusalem, there, were, there was a golden calf that was built by King Jeroboam. There was another golden calf built in Dan, which was at the northern tip of Israel. Remember, the kingdoms were divided, the kingdom of Judah and the kingdom of Israel. The kingdom of Judah was holding true to the things of God. The kingdom of Israel had a problem with this because Jeroboam, who was the king of Israel, realized that on a given day of each year, Every single Israelite would go back. They would have to go back to Jerusalem for to worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Well, every time they would go back into Jerusalem and worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, there was always a threat that they would want to reunite with Judah. And Jeroboam couldn't have that because then he would go, he, he could probably be executed as, as a renegade, as a revolutionary. And, and he wasn't about to have that. So he said, how can I keep these people from going back into Jerusalem and worshiping on this same day of every year? Because when you go back in there, it, it starts getting on you. It starts getting on you. You know, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Him only shall you serve. And you start remembering he parted the Red Sea. You start remembering the manna. People start talking about all the good things that God has done. And you start thinking, why are we divided from one another? And Jeroboam said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to build a golden calf in Bethel, which is pretty close to Jerusalem. And I'm going to build a golden calf in Dan, which is as far from Jerusalem as you can get. Those are, in every way that the devil tempts people, we see that same principle reflected. He tempts people, in one sense, to become as far from God as possible, to where it's not even close to being near godly. And then he'll tempt people to bring them right up to the edge of Jerusalem, so close to God, you almost can't tell whether you're in Bethel or in Jerusalem. And, 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 it, and it, it, it demonstrates itself as he'll tempt some people to be just, just heathens, unabashed heathens. But he'll tempt other people to be self-righteous, where they actually think that they are of God. And, it is, and they're, 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 it's the same spirit, it's the same temptation, and they're going to go to the same hell. But it's, it's one devil who's tempting people in two different ways. And so you need to hear uh, what happened in 1 Kings chapter 13. Because these golden calves, Jeroboam made, he forced people to worship these golden calves. And God was angered by it. He said, you don't go to Jerusalem anymore. Jeroboam did. Don't go to Jerusalem. You worship the golden calves in Bethel and in Dan. That's, those are, that's where you worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at these golden calves. And, and so... So it angered God, and, and God stirred up the mind of a young prophet in Judah and said, go to the altar of Jeroboam, of that golden calf in Bethel, and raise your hand and prophesy against that altar and prophesy against where Jeroboam is and what he's doing. Tell him that the Lord is angry. So here came this young prophet of God with a word from the Lord. He raised his hand and said, God told me to tell you he's going to tear this altar down he's gonna tear you down he's gonna tear everything up 
he's going to remove all the idolatry from this place. And, and he even told him when it would happen, that it would happen through a man by the name of Josiah. King Josiah would come. And that King Josiah would cause this, uh, this revival to occur in, in Israel. Jeroboam was so angry. You don't talk to the king that way. Those Old Testament prophets risked their life every time they shook their finger at a king's face and said, thou art the man, and brought the conviction of the word of the Lord. And, and it was about to happen. Jeroboam raised his hand to order this man's execution, and his hand withered. And when his hand withered, the ashes of the altar poured out. And that was a sign that the, that the Lord had confirmed the word of the prophet. And, and when his hand withered, he said, oh, pray that the Lord would heal my hand. And the young prophet prayed that the Lord would heal his hand, and the Lord did heal his hand. At which point, Jeroboam looked at the young prophet and said, come with me, which is what we read. Come with me to my house. Refresh thyself. Eat bread with me. Drink with me. Tell me more. Abide with me a little while. He was recognizing this is a man of God. So come on in. I need to know more of what you're describing. But the young prophet said something so interesting. He described an encounter with God that left him with personal convictions and spiritual boundaries. He said, I can't come with you. Listen to what he said. To a king, he said this. If you gave me half your house, I'm not, I, it doesn't matter what the reward is. You can't offer me enough money to come to your house and refresh myself and eat bread and drink. You, you, you can't because the Lord told me to eat no bread, have no drink, not stay in anybody's home, and not even come back to Judah the same way I came to Bethel. God told me that. So I don't care what you tell me, God told me not to, not to do this. So he left. When he left, word began to spread about what the young prophet had said and done and the wonders and the signs the Lord performed in confirmation of what he had, had said. Word reached the ears of an old prophet. The old prophet heard that this young prophet had gone into King Jeroboam's uh, uh, throne room, or the, the altar rather, of Bethel, and had said to him, all of these prophetic words about what the Lord would do and that the Lord was angry and that he had, he had caused God to become righteously indignant. And the old prophet said, I want to talk to this young prophet. I imagine that the old prophet probably thought, I knew it. I knew it. All these golden calves. It's just flat out idolatry is what it is. Thinks he's being sneaky, building these golden calves, acting like this is who brought us out of Egypt. I know what this is. This is old, heathen, pagan idolatry. And it's about time somebody told him what should be said. Let's go find that young prophet. So they go out. They go find him. He's sitting under an oak tree. Here's the young prophet sitting under an oak tree. The old prophet walks up to him and says, hey, are you the young prophet that spoke those prophetic words to King Jeroboam about what the Lord would do? The young prophet said, that's me. He said, I want you to come to my house, refresh yourself, eat bread, have a drink, get some rest, and tell me all about it. And the young prophet said, I can't do that. He said, well, why not? And he said, because the Lord told me not to eat any bread, to have no drink, not to stop anywhere, not to stay the night anywhere. God told me to do that. Now, at this moment, 
The old prophet becomes a little disturbed by this. What are you saying? Are you saying there's something wrong with my house? Something wrong with my bread? What's wrong with my house? What's wrong with my bread? And he says, I'm a prophet too. See, you got to be careful when you're dealing with somebody's personal convictions. You cannot interfere with what the Lord has told somebody to do as a matter of consecration unto him. You can't come into them and say, that's not necessary. You can't come into them and say, that's not important. Why would you think that's important? Why would you think that that's not, or that that is necessary? That's so insignificant in the grand picture. What's wrong with bread? What's wrong with staying the night at, at somebody's house? What's wrong? I'll tell you what's wrong. God told him not to do it. Don't interfere. Don't intervene. Don't try to come in and get all offended that he has a consecration you don't have. And pretend that he's somehow putting you down or insulting you by having a consecration that you don't have. He is simply trying to explain, I have heard from the Lord. The Lord has told me something. I can't get away from it. And I'm going to tell you something. In 2019, we have too many apostolic believers who are ignoring the conviction of God. God will come down and tell them something, say something to them, deal with them on an issue, and because they don't see other people doing it, They'll walk away from it and just act like they didn't hear nothing. You be careful with that. God says things for a reason. No word is wasted. No word is accidental, Brother Raymond Woodward said. No word is incidental. Every word of God is pure. So when God speaks to you and says, I'm dealing with you, I'm exposing something in your life, and that you've got to take heed to it. I don't care who says it's okay or what prophet they are or what kind of, this, the Bible, the Bible doesn't call him a false prophet. The Bible calls him a prophet. The Bible said he's an old prophet in Bethel. So, so he's an old prophet in Bethel. So, so you, you can have somebody who might even, you might have respect for their teaching, respect for their ministry. But when they start encroaching upon something God has dealt with you about, you need to say, my consecration is to the Lord. Hallelujah. And I'm going to be obedient unto him. Doesn't matter to me if you come up to me and say, oh, that's not necessary. You know, I have people, I have people all the time come to me and say, uh, you know, Pastor, I feel, I feel some way about this, and, I, and I, I just can't get away from it, and I'm not sure what to do about it. I, I, I walk very carefully, because if they've got the Holy Ghost inside of them, and they've got the Word of God behind them, it, it, it's, you've got to be careful. When God begins to deal with somebody, He's establishing a boundary in their life. He's establishing a conviction in their life, and you've got to let the Holy Ghost do that work in that person. Whether you agree or disagree, let the Holy Ghost do the work in that person. So, so what's wrong with my house? What's wrong with this? I've, done, I've, been, I've been doing this for years. Doesn't matter if you've been doing it for years. God's dealt with them on a personal level. Let this young prophet alone to have a consecration unto the Lord. And so this young prophet, hearing the words of the old prophet, I'm a prophet too. Are you saying I'm not spiritual because I eat bread at my house? Are you saying I'm not spiritual because I sleep at my house? Are you saying I'm not spiritual because I invited you to my house? 
No, I'm saying God told me. God, I, I found a word from the Lord that told me not to do this. So stop telling me to do it. But that's not what the young prophet said. He got up and he went with the old prophet to his house. And they start talking. They start eating. He violated the conviction. Now I'm going to tell you something. Never violate your conscience with God. When God moves upon your conscience to, to set a boundary in your life, respect that. That's the Holy Ghost trying to save you. That's Jesus trying to make you pure and make you holy. Respect that boundary and allow it to form in your life. And so this young prophet did not. The young prophet's sitting there. They're having a conversation at the table. All of a sudden, the word of the Lord came to the old prophet. Now, mind you, the way the old prophet convinced the young prophet to come was he lied to him. The Bible says he lied to him. He said, an angel from the Lord told me to tell you it's perfectly fine to come to my house. Come on, get over yourself. Stop being so traditional. Stop, stop leaning on, on what you think is, 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 is a matter of great importance. And he lied to him. Believe not every voice. Believe not every spirit. Try the spirits whether they be of God. And so, so this young prophet gets up, goes with him. They're sitting at the table. All of a sudden, the word of the Lord, the actual word of the Lord, does come upon the old prophet. So make note of this. This old prophet could speak the actual word of the Lord, and he could lie. You be careful who you listen to, because there are some people who can give you an actual word of the Lord and get you shouting, and it's got confirmation, and you've got chapter and verse. And the very next moment, they can lie to you. I can hear the Apostle Paul say, though we... Or an angel, not, not, not a fallen angel, an angel from heaven. Preach any other gospel unto you. Let him be accursed. Don't you give in to that. Don't you believe those lies. Don't you believe it for one second. There's a devil on the loose trying to rope you into his snare. So the old prophet received an actual word from the Lord. He rose up and he said, you disobeyed. You weren't kidding. The Lord did tell you. That really was a personal, that really was something you needed to abstain from. That really was something you needed to, to not do, not go there, not, not be a part of that. God really had dealt with you on that. And I intervened and, and you're going to die. You're not going to be buried with the sepulcher of your fathers. And the young man, they, they got him his donkey and he, he took off, and the Bible said that a lion met him in the way. Now, 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 now remember back when God gave him this, this absurd conviction? I mean, sounds, I mean, I'm looking at it, I'm like, really? I mean, come on. Surely we can... Surely we can deviate a little bit from this plan. I mean, God said, eat no bread. I'm hungry! God said, drink, no, dr don't have any drink. I'm thirsty. God said, don't stay in anybody's house. I'm tired. And furthermore, God said, don't go home the same way you came. 
I like, this just doesn't make any sense. Did you know? I just want to, I just want to share something with you. God doesn't have to make sense if he doesn't want to make sense. God is God. We, we, we're not, who are, who are we to stand up to God and say, why? Tell me why. I'm not doing it till I know why. I'm not obeying that. That's, this is 2019, almost 2020. People are going to mock that, God. Come on, why? Give me, give me, give me chapter and verse. What if he didn't want to give you a chapter and verse? He's still God. There's an audacity that has come upon people today who claim to be believers. You're not a believer unless you're obedient. There's an audacity that has come upon people and it's carnal and it's fleshly and it will be your demise. You've got to submit it to God. You've got to subject yourself to God. Submit yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Humble yourselves and let God be God. Stop trying to be God. That's what Lucifer did. Now you know who's influencing your thoughts on that. It's the attitude of Lucifer. It's the mindset of Lucifer. And it will be the demise of Lucifer that you will experience unless you are simply obedient unto the Lord. You don't always have to know why. Hallelujah. It's, you know what? It actually is okay to ask. Just don't let it be at, at an impetus for whether you obey or not. You can say, Lord, I'm going to obey you. I am going to obey you, no question. But, but if you can show me, I would, love to, I would love to be able to understand certain things. With all thy getting, get understanding, but have the right attitude. An attitude of obedience, an attitude of humility, an attitude of submission to the Lord. So this, this guy's riding down the road on his donkey, and out of nowhere comes a lion who met him in the way. Now I get it. I didn't get it before. When God gave him this strange, this strange instruction, like go to Bethel this way, but when you come back, I want you to turn left here, turn right there, go under this bridge, go up on top of this mountain, hide behind this bush, sit under this oak, go under this overpass, climb over around this bush, come over this hedge, and, and then run. You know why God gave him all those strange directions? Because God knows where the lions are. You, you, you just think God's being arbitrary? You just think God's being random? If he wants to be random, he can be random. But see, I guess, I guess you got to trust in the Lord with all your heart. I think you got to trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Not a little bit of your heart, but with all of your heart to know if God said it, he's got a reason. If God said it, he's got a reason. If God told us to be a certain way, live a certain way, talk a certain way, dress a certain way, talk and act and live and, and handle our money and handle our family and treat elders and treat children and treat neighbors. If he told us to do it a certain way, there's a reason why. God knows where the lions are and you don't. You don't know where the lions are. You have an adversary as a roaring lion who seeks whom he may devour. He roams to and fro seeking whom he may devour. 
And, and, and you know who he's looking for? I'm gonna tell you who, I'm gonna tell you who he's looking for. He's looking for people who got off the path God set for them. He's looking for people who were rebellious. He's looking for people who were stubborn. He, he's looking for people who, who decided they knew better. This isn't all that important. I know God said it. I know God prescribed it. I know God established it, but I, 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 I don't think it's all that important because, I mean, if you talk to, you, you, I heard this old prophet the other day. He said it better than anybody could say. And he described it just perfectly. He said it's not as big a deal as what people say it is. And when he talked like that, it kind of made sense because I've received words from the Lord from him before. You be careful. Don't be so easily deceived. Let the Holy Ghost bring to you all things whatsoever Jesus has said unto you. Let the principles of the word of God, anything, anything that stokes your arrogance, you can count on it, that's not of God. Anything that stokes your pride, that's not of God. Anything that stokes your rebellion, that's not of God. Anything that stokes your, your condescension toward others, that's not of God. But when you are humble and, and eager to please the Lord, hallelujah, your heart becomes fertile for God to come in and say, this is how you should live, and this is how you should lead your family, and this is how you should act, and this is what you should abstain from. Do you know that the Bible says abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul? Don't pretend like fleshly lusts are harmless little things because everybody's got fleshly lusts and everybody's got little, little carnal ways about them and ha ha he he. They, they war against the soul. You've got to set boundaries. There's some stuff you need to delete from your phone. You need to delete some apps from your phone. The Bible never said nothing about apps, but you know which apps I'm talking about because the Holy Ghost is bearing witness. You need to set boundaries in your life. You need to set accountability in your life, and, and you need to pray about it and let the Lord lead you and guide you and deal with the nuances and deal with the intangibles and deal with the 2019 stuff that the Bible didn't even talk about. The Bible didn't talk about self-driving cars, and yet here we are. And, 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 and so there's so many things that are, that are a part of our world and lives today that you can't find in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, or Deuteronomies by name, but you can find them in this Holy Bible in principle. And the Holy Ghost in you will humble your heart. And you, you gotta block out the words of that old prophet who can, who can declare the word and tell a lie. And if you're, if you're tuned in to that kind of a voice, you won't be able to discern when it's a lie and when it's truth. But I know, I know a devil who can speak the word of the Lord and, to, and, and twist it. He can, he, can, he can quote a verse verbatim and put his, put his deceptive little spin on it and trip a whole world up. Jesus, you know how Jesus wasn't deceived by Satan in the wilderness? This devil comes to Jesus and starts talking to him and says to him, doesn't the scripture say that you can just cast yourself down and the angels will bear you up? You know what I think is pretty amazing about that? That's Psalm 91. The devil knew that was talking about the Messiah. The devil knew that was talking about the Messiah. 
He knew that the scriptures were testifying of Jesus. So he said, if you be the son of God, cast yourself down. Because the promise is, the angels will bear you up. He was quoting the scriptures. But he was putting a deceptive spin on it. What did Jesus, how did Jesus respond? It is written. And we've got too many apostolic believers who don't know what is written. And so they're listening to people tell them what is written. And you might be listening to the voice of a devil quote to you the word of the Lord. And you might be able to follow along with him. He might have every syllable in perfect position and in place quoting it verbatim. But there's deception in his intent. You can't trust anything the devil says. The truth is not in him. He is the father of all liars. You've got, to, you've got to submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Isaiah chapter 26, and I'm coming to a close. But Isaiah chapter 26, and I want to read to you uh, verses 1 through 4. In that day shall this song be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. That's what God wants to make your family. That's how God wants to make your marriage. That's how God wants to make your ministry and your walk with God. We have a strong city. Salvation will God appoint for walls and bulwarks. These are spiritual boundaries. Open ye the gates that the righteous nation which keepeth the truth may enter in. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace. That is what God is trying to establish for you. And your rebellion to personal convictions and your rebellion to precepts of the word of God, outright commands in the word of God, your stubbornness and rebellion to it is preventing perfect peace in your life. God's not, try, God's not trying to be, he's not trying to be an ogre with, with parameters and boundaries. He sets things because there's a lion over here and if you, if you deviate from this path, you're walking directly into the path of the lion. Trust my word. Trust my voice. Let me lead you and guide you. Let me establish walls and bulwarks, parameters and boundaries, convictions. Hear the pastor when he teaches and preaches and, 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 and shares with you the word of the Lord. Let the word of God sink deep into your heart. Seek it out. Ask the Lord. Lord, lead me, guide me. Let your Holy Spirit cause me to walk in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. And thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever. For in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Hallelujah. I'm telling you what, listen, I'm going to just say this too. Don't be, don't be uh, resentful when a saint of God uh, is used of the Lord to call you into a, a check or accountability. You know, that's part of what saved me. You know, I, I talk about I was a kid preacher, and, but I'm going to tell you what. I, I was a kid preacher, but I also wanted to be an NBA basketball player. And... Uh, didn't work out, you know, so well, but, but I, 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 there was a little time, there was a little time when I, I was going through my own identity crisis with the things of God. I knew God had called me to preach, but I, I was feeling the tug of the world and I, and I, I didn't, I knew he called me to preach, but I, 
Man, I was into basketball. I mean, I ate it, I drank it, I played it, and I, I loved it. I really, truly loved it. I knew every stat. I, I'm, I, I'm an NBA trivia buff of a certain time frame. And then I remember when somebody came up to me and said, Joel, why don't you worship like you used to worship? I didn't know I stopped. They said, why, didn't, why don't you praise God? I miss seeing you dance before the Lord. But while the Spirit of the Lord was moving, I was back here rehearsing stats. The Celtics and the Lakers and the Bulls and the Pistons and the Knicks. And I had it all run through my head. Who was going to win tonight? Who was going to play? And who was going to get a triple-double? And who was going to stop this guy? And, and the whole time, the Spirit of the Lord is moving. I was once so sensitive to it. But I took it for granted and I began, to, I began to slip back into this carnality. And it, it took a saint of God to walk up and actually confront me. They weren't mean-spirited. They weren't, they weren't, they weren't uh, adversarial. They, but they did confront. And they came up and said, I miss seeing you worship and praise God. You know, I'm glad that when they did that, I was, I was a young child. Because if I was... At the age I am now, I probably would have got offended. But I had a tender heart. And instead of being offended, I had to stop and realize, they're right. I'm not sensitive to God like I was. Something has slipped in my spirit. I've let, I've let a boundary down. And I've drifted over into an area that, that, that I got no business being in. It's okay, it's okay to understand what's going on in the sports world. Don't misunderstand. But, but, but you've got to know the boundary. You've got to know where the line is. You've got to understand when you are about to cross over into something that is dulling your senses to what God is trying to do in your life. And that's what I'm trying to help you to understand tonight. Allow the Lord to come convict you and sometimes he uses a saint of God or a minister of the gospel to come and say to you hey I noticed something is it all right if I share with you what my concern is don't get offended don't don't balk at it don't feel like they mind their own business we are brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ and we ought to be able to support one another even in times when 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 there is a when there is a a, a conviction or a confrontation of, of a Christian nature. Amen. Somebody said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I need, God to, I need God to purify me every single day. Lord, you know where the lions are in my life. And they might be, you know what, the lions on my path may be in a different way than they are on your path. So, so I'm not going to come over and tell you, oh, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. No, if you feel checked, if you feel something, if you feel something convicting you, you need to acknowledge that and pay attention to that and walk away from where God is telling you to walk away. Somebody lift your hands and, and praise the Lord for his word right now. Come on, that's it. Lift your hands and praise the Lord for his word right now. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I wonder if there's somebody right now that can say, Lord, I need you to purify my heart. I need you to purify my spirit. In the name of Jesus. 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 And let me just say this. Go ahead and stand with me. I'm done. I'm done. Let me just say this. You don't need to, you don't need to look at others who don't have your personal convictions and look down on them either. And, and, and try to make them feel as though they are inferior because they are not, 
they've not heard this word that you've heard from the Lord. The Holy Ghost has a way. The Holy Ghost has a way. The Holy Ghost has a way of ministering in our hearts, shedding abroad the love of God in our hearts. Hallelujah. Every day, I need the Lord to purify my spirit. There's some things the Lord has dealt with me about on a personal level that I absolutely will not cross certain lines. I just won't. I will not cross these lines. And there's something God told me. He, didn't, he may not have told you these lines, but he told me these lines. I will not cross them. Because I know that when I'm on this path, the lion cannot enter this path. Hallelujah. No ravenous beast. There's a highway called holiness. And I'm walking on that highway called holiness. You don't have to understand it. You don't have to understand it. You don't have to agree with it. But, but, but I'm walking. It's a straight and a narrow path. It's so straight and it's so narrow, sometimes I got to get on my tiptoes and walk sideways. Sometimes I got to duck down and get underneath branches. Sometimes it's so straight and it's so narrow, it makes me uncomfortable. Sometimes it's so straight and it's so narrow that it causes my flesh to have to bend and contort and get real low. Sometimes I got to, I gotta, you know, I'm, I'm 40 now. Sometimes I got to suck in. Hallelujah. Don't, don't, listen, don't be afraid to let your flesh be consecrated unto the Lord. Hallelujah. The fat belongs unto the Lord. That's the flesh. The flesh belongs unto the Lord. You can't handle your flesh. God will handle your flesh. You just give it to God every day. Lord, here's my flesh. All my fleshly appetites, all my fleshly attitudes, all my fleshly feelings, all my fleshly traditions, all my fleshly grievances, all my fleshly lusts, all my fleshly desires, they belong to you. I will not hold on to them. And watch if he doesn't make you holy and make you pure and make you righteous. Come on, lift up your hands unto the Lord right now and let... Let your heart be lifted up unto him in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, lift up your hands unto the Lord right now, all across this building. Holy like you. Oh, I want to be holy. Holy like you. Let God give you some convictions right now. Let God begin to convict you right now. Come on, let God deal with you. Let God put some boundaries in your life. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, Lord. I want to be holy, holy like you. Oh, Lord, I want to be holy. Holy like you. Oh, yes, I want to be holy. Holy like you. Holy Spirit, purify me. Cleanse and make me new. I want to be holy. Holy like you. Hallelujah, Lord. I want to be holy. Yes, Lord. Holy like you. 
just kind of how this works you know in America we have three branches of government we have the judicial the legislative branch the judicial branch and the executive branch and in that order legislative judicial and executive it, it co-equal but but it's because it's one government but but three distinct roles of these government branches you know we serve one God and we, we this that we have as a government it's a, it's a judeo-christian concept you see it in the Word of God that's why there are five books of the law that's legislative and then there's a book of judges that's judicial and then there's a book of Kings that's that's executive and you see it when, when Moses was the legislator and and the judges were the judges and then came the kings it's 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 in the word of the lord judeo-christian legality and, and, and form of government it's because it is a reflection of our one god who has revealed himself who has revealed himself in three ways not three persons but in three manifestations as father son and holy spirit a father in creation Son in redemption and the Holy Spirit in regeneration. Not three persons, one God. But He is Father, Son, and Spirit. As Father, He gave the law. As Son, He interpreted the law. And as Holy Spirit, He enforces the law. Legislative, judicial, executive. One God. So when God created the earth, He created the law. There's just There are certain laws. God put them here. He created it. Then He manifested Himself in flesh, and He began to explain what the law means. That's why when people would challenge Him on the law, He would say, Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. He was interpreting the law for them. 
Where are thine accusers? Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. He was interpreting the law for them. Why don't your disciples wash their hands? Why do you dishonor your father and mother and then make an issue of them not washing their hands? It's, he, he was interpreting the law. You've heard no commit adultery. I'm telling you, if you lust after a woman, you've committed adultery in your heart. He's teaching, interpreting the law. But then when he ascended on high and came back to us as the Holy Spirit living inside of us, he became the enforcer, the king of our life. And he enforces his law, the perfect law of liberty, the law of the Lord that converts the soul through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That's why when you have the Holy Ghost inside of you and you begin to, to do a thing and all of a sudden something stops you and checks you and you feel like, I shouldn't do that, that's the Holy Ghost. It is the operation of the Holy Ghost. He shall lead you and guide you into all truth. That's what the Bible's talking about. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And let the Holy Spirit check you when the Holy Spirit is checking you. Let him, let, him, let him call you out. Let him do it. Don't you want to go to heaven? Don't you want to be right, be holy, be, be right in the eyes of God? Let the Holy Ghost check you. Don't do it. Don't, don't, don't say it. Or it might be, say it now. Go, do it. Tell him. Open up your mouth. Let the Holy Ghost enforce the perfect law of liberty. I'm done. Let's give God praise right now for His Holy Word. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give God praise for the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Let's give God praise for being washed in the blood of the Lamb. Let's give God praise that he seeks and saves that which was lost. Let's give God praise. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. As we sing this song, why don't you find somebody and give them a, a great big God bless you and a handshake and a pat on the back and just tell them you love them. God bless you in Jesus' name. Cleanse and make.